Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. This is Rachel Marshall, and I've got my co-host, my trusty and faithful, dependable co-host, Bruce Weiner, with me today. Good morning. Actually, good afternoon. Morning it's morning on your end of the world and afternoon for me. late afternoon, middle of the afternoon, your place, I guess. Yes, I'm all kinds of turned around. We're on a new day and a different time. We, you're traveling, but the great thing about having a podcast is that we do not have to be on a specific schedule, and we can do this from any place in the world. So today we're talking about a really interesting topic, and this is when you should use a 1035 exchange with life insurance. Let me just give a little bit of context for you. If you're listening to this episode and you're asking this question, you probably know more than most, but let me just give some background information. So if you're in a situation where maybe you have a life insurance policy, and at this time you're saying, you know, I'm not really sure this is ideal for me, whether for some reason, we'll get into some of these reasons in a minute, whether for some reason I'm concerned that there's not the kind of guarantees that I know I can depend on this policy or whether it was designed in a way that wasn't ideal for me. Maybe you're feeling stuck. Maybe it's some kind of a permanent policy and you're saying, you know, I I liked it when I put it in place, but what I know now is telling me that I should be concerned about this policy and I want something different. What we want is for you to not feel stuck. There is many ways to change the life insurance policy that you are in. And today we're going to talk about one of the ideal ways and the problems that it solves. So the good news is you have multiple options, but specifically today we're talking about the 1035 exchange, which is one way to get out of a life insurance policy and into a new one in the best way possible. Now, here's a strong word of caution, though, at the beginning that you really want to understand the full context and the concept that you're doing and make sure that you're not being blindsided or just being taken advantage of by other people who have ill intentions for you. It's not always in your best interest to get out of one policy into a new one, even if your current policy is not ideal. So what does all this mean? We are here to break it down for you. So, Bruce, let's go ahead and talk first about what are some of the reasons why somebody would want to get out of a current existing, what would be considered permanent life insurance policy? I I think people have heard us say this on many, many, many occasions. It really uh, depends on what they're trying to accomplish. So I have a current client who came to me and, um, we were going over their entire, you know, wish list, what they want to try to accomplish, so on and so forth. And then we did, we looked at all their assets and all their financial holdings and so on and so forth. And up comes a life insurance policy. And um, I said, well, what was the purpose of this policy? And they said, well, when we were um, first got married and we thought, well, this is a way to actually protect our family. Uh, we put $250 a month in it, but now, you know, that, that extra $250, our kids are all married. They have, we have grandkids and we don't think we need, we don't, we don't need it anymore. And 
and uh, as we kept talking over and over, that was the husband's view. But the wife's view was, well, yeah, we don't need it for our kids now, but we could leave this as a legacy to the children. And uh, I, saw, I said, okay, well, the first thing we need to do, this was a variable universal life. I won't talk about which company it was with because um, it's irrelevant, but it was a variable universal life policy. And I said, the first thing we need to do is an in-force illustration. And for our listeners, an in-force illustration, it, you can, even as a policyholder, you don't have to go back to the agent or producer or life insurance salesperson. You can just call the company and say, I want an in-force illustration. And what that simply means is, is the values that are in the cash value at this time, plus the, oftentimes I'll ask you, are, do you continue to want, or do you want to continue to put in the premium for the rest of the contract mm -hmm. or uh, for five more years or 10 more years or, or what do you want to do? And then they can actually give you several scenarios <clears throat> and then there'll be a guaranteed side and there'll be a non-guaranteed side. Well, with universal life, whether it be regular universal life, index universal life or variable universal life, and as the cost of insurance uh, continues to go up, if the if the underlying investments or the index or the interest rate doesn't stay up with it, then they will actually show you when it will actually lapse if it does lapse. So the guaranteed side, it will say, if you just continue to do what you have been doing, it will lapse at this age. And I want you to hear this really clearly because Bruce, again, we don't talk about policies lapsing very often because we're usually right. talking about whole life insurance. So universal, variable universal, um, those are index universal life. Those are a different type of what's considered a permanent policy, but and, this is not whole the, life insurance. To piggyback on that, the reason it's, it's uh, considered a permanent policy is by contract, um, you can put more money into it to keep it afloat, um, but they might come back and say, you were putting $250 a month in but at age 86, you're going to have to put $2,500 a month in. And at age 90, and I'm not being ridiculous here, you might have to put $25,000 a month in um, as it continues to go up, depending on how much. And uh, talk so, about so sticker far, shock depending there. Depending on how much the death benefit is, obviously. And, uh, and so. Right. And, and by the way, we have another episode that goes into why these costs can go up. And so we'll link to our episodes on index universal life and what the chassis of that type of policy does and why those costs are not guaranteed and fixed inside of a policy. But you're talking about the disconcerting feeling of realizing that, hey, I thought I had this death benefit by putting in my, my premiums as planned. Now, all of a sudden, the company is saying, I need to pay more premiums than I was already expecting to pay if I want to keep the death benefit, that yeah. doesn't seem and very so, guaranteed. And so what happens is, is that there'll be a guaranteed side. And if it does lapse, in other words, it doesn't have enough cash value to pay for some of the death benefit along with the premium, it'll lapse. And then on the non-guaranteed side, they have to put some assumption of rate of return. So they might say, if your policy gets in the index or in the, or in the stock market, if it gets... 6.5% every year without interruption, then instead of lapsing at 82, it'll last all the way to 88. 
And once again, that's an if. It actually says on there, non-guarantee. So to get back to the client then, and, mm -hmm. and this is what the whole podcast is about, how do you determine? I always tell people, you always err on the side of not lapsing a policy. You always err on the side of not surrender, surrendering a policy. You always lap, uh, uh, err on the side of not changing an original policy. Why? Because most of the capitalization costs are upfront of a policy. So we don't. So what you're saying, let me just rephrase this for a moment. So what you're saying is, hey, I've got this policy right now. I'm getting a little concerned about because the company's telling me that now I'm going to have to pay additional premium. If I want to keep this premium or the death benefit in force, maybe I can change this insurance to a new policy. And you're saying usually the answer is to keep your current policy, even if it's not ideal. And the reason you're saying that is because you've already paid for all of the costs inside of that policy, which you are always going to have those capitalization costs at the beginning of any life insurance policy. And we would rather not have to start Absolutely. over again is what you're However, saying. However, if the possibility of it lapsing before it pays off, some people say, well, I know I'm going to have additional costs and I'm going to have a lower death benefit, but I would like to get it into a guaranteed position. So let me use my client as an example again. This variable universal life that they've been paying $250 a month to for, for a couple of decades, it had about $41,000 of cash value in it. So as long as the stock market did all right, the, the, the $3,000 a year or the $250 the, the a month or $3,000 a year was enough plus any growth in the cash value to pay for the $250,000 of death benefit. However, as they got older, and if even if the stock market did 6.5%, that's what was key on this. Yeah, that's a tall every order. year without interruption, even if it did that, it was still going to lapse at like, I can't remember exactly, 87 or 88. So they said to myself, they said to us, maybe we should just take the $40,000 out so we know we have the $40,000. And I said, you know what, that's not a bad idea. And the $40,000 yeah, cash value. So what they're saying is, should we cancel this policy and take out our $40,000 cash value we have today, which means they're giving up any death benefit. They would have no death correct. benefit if they just canceled the policy. But they were saying, hey, my, wife, my wife's family lives a long time. So we believe she's going to live well into her 90s, if not 100. So we would have paid all this in all these years, and we would get nothing at the end because the cash value is going to continue to go downward to pay for some of the insurance. They said, well, why don't we just take the 40000 out and at least we're assured of the 40000 And I said, okay, that's one thing to do. But what we also could do is we could, we could transfer that 40000 into a whole life contract that has a guaranteed side and the guaranteed side would actually go out to age 121 guaranteed by contract. And I said, now what's the give up? And we designed the policy. Now, instead of having $250,000 that might be paid out, the give up was $140,000. So now the death benefit was only $140,000. At, at so meaning the give up was a reduced death benefit by 110,000. 110, yes. Now I said, now 
she was, she's uh, like 66 years old. So I, I said, now you don't want to die between now and 22 because you would have lost $110,000. But if you're convinced that you're going to, that policy is going to lapse, then at least you're starting out at 140,000. And of course, we all know that the dividends buy more cash value. Plus we were going to continue to put the $250 a month into the new policy. And it would eventually grow by 86 to about $168,000. So they were maybe getting 250, but on the guaranteed side, this is very, very uh, important. The guaranteed side of the new contract was going to be about $168,000. So they decided that they would rather take the chance of giving up something if she were to die early knowing that she's, it's going to guarantee to pay off. And that's called a 1035 exchange. Now let's talk about. So let's back up for just a second. So what we're talking about here is if you're in a situation where you have a death benefit that might be, in this case, it was 250,000, not guaranteed. The opportunity is to say, how do I take my cash value or can I take my cash value and put that into a new policy that may have a smaller death benefit, but guarantees. And for me, I love the peace of mind in guarantees. Now, we're going to talk about the 1035 exchange because there's a tremendous benefit in converting a policy this specific way, as opposed to canceling one policy and then applying for a new one, because you're not sure you're going to be able to get another policy. You also can't just necessarily add a new policy on if you're already maximized out with your human life value and you have all of the insurance already in place. So let's talk about how you can use the 1035 exchange to minimize problems. Yeah, the first thing is, is that um, if you recall, the, the uh, cash value grows tax-free. If you were above the basis of what you put in, then you could, if you surrender, you could actually have a tax liability. But you cannot have a tax liability if you 1035 exchange it by taking the cash value directly from one company and giving it to another company. Our listeners might be familiar with a rollover of an IRA or 401k mm -hmm. transfer from the 401k to an IRA. There's no taxes on that. Think of a 1035 as being a transfer from one company to another. No, no taxes guaranteed that you would have to pay on that. Now, what it, what it happens is, is that lump sum, that 40,000 from our listeners, they know about PUAs, it becomes a single premium PUA. So the life insurance company at a 66 year old or 67 year old that transfers 40,000, they would say, if we're gonna give you some insurance for this 40,000 that you never have to pay it again, because you don't have to put another premium dollar in it, how much guaranteed insurance can we give you? And for a 60, you know, a 66 or 67 year old, usually it's about 1.7 times, you know, of normal health that they would get. And in this case, we were also going to put the $250 a month, just like they were putting in it. Um, they could stop that at any time and do what we call a reduced paid up, but at least that's what they were choosing to do at that time. Uh, so Bruce, what you're saying is they're looking at how can I use my cash value 
to put a one-time payment into a new policy? What would that new policy look like? And then in this particular example, they also wanted to continue funding with a monthly premium payment. But we'll break this down a little bit. Not necessarily, will you do not require additional premium payments, but you can structure a policy that can receive additional premium payments. But the 1035 exchange, the purpose of that is to be able to say, how can I use my current cash value in a current policy and use that as a single payment, which is called a single premium to fund right. a new policy. And you're basically buying a single premium payment. So the actuaries just figure out, well, what is that single premium payment going to get me for a death benefit for the rest of my life on just that payment? And then as you add premiums to it, then you can break it down again. Is it base, some of it going to base, some of it going to additional additional PUAs, so on and so forth. It comes down to design again after that. But that's a one-time single premium payment, like a one-time PUA payment to a whole life insurance contract. So Bruce, I think this would be a really interesting concept for somebody who's saying, hey, I want to see if I can get out of my current policy. Maybe I want to get into a new one. Let's talk about some of the things that they want to be aware of. And specifically, I can hear a question from anyone who's thinking about this concept. Okay, you've talked about capitalization costs in a policy, and we've already had the capitalization cost in our first policy. Now, what happens when we transfer that over into a new policy? What about the cost? Isn't the agent going to make a lot of commission doing that? And how do we yeah. think about that? Um, first of all, you would have to be healthy enough to actually qualify for the new policy. You don't automatically, right. you don't automatically new underwriting. qualify for it. And that's kind of the sad part because people want to do this because they want to get into a guaranteed position and then they have health issues. And they were like, well, we can't get you a new policy. So now we're going to have to figure out how we can, we can keep this one from lapsing. And the way you can keep it from lapsing, there's only a couple of ways you can do it. You can put more money in or you can reduce the death benefit. Um, and hopefully you can reduce the death benefit enough um, that it, will, it will, uh, won't require you to do a whole lot of additional premium uh, payment in that. So that's, um, that's for now as far as commissions, the commission on this, depending on contract, is very small because it's it's really a PUA single premium, and it and it ranges uh, companies anywhere between two and five percent of whatever that particular premium um, is, and what what the product is, so on and so forth. So if it's a forty thousand um, dollar ten thirty five, um, you're getting a two two percent. Most companies are just going to pay you two percent to do that. For, for two reasons. One, that money is immediately liquid for you to use your cash value. So that has to be taken into consideration. The other consideration is they don't want this to be something that agents are doing just for the commission. Um, so they're not going to mm -hmm. incentivize them for doing it. So that would be unfair to the entire industry and to clients. But let's just back up for a second. So in the situation of the current client that you were talking about, so let's just say that the amount of cash value that they had in the current policy was $100,000. It's a, an easy number to wrap our mind around. So I have $100,000 in a non-guaranteed universal life policy right now. And I want to figure out how can I get that over into a specially designed whole life policy that will be able to be used for infinite banking and privatized banking. 
if I go ahead and 1035 exchange that, 1035 the policy, I'm taking $100,000 of cash value in my current policy, I move that over to pay for a new policy, what amount of that 100000 should I expect to be available right away after I get yeah, the it, new policy? It depends on the um, age and also depends on the company, but you, you're, you're talking in the upper 90s. Uh, 96, 97% um, availability of that amount of cash. And then the second year, it's all. And that to me is. The second year, it's almost all available. And think about it. It makes perfect sense, right? Because it's paid up. Mm -hmm. So the actuaries have already figured that out. And they didn't have to do any. They didn't have to do anything to figure out if you deserve that already. Because another insurance company already figured that out, right? Or you wouldn't have had that. Right. Right. Well, and this was actually really interesting to me because I haven't had experience with that particular piece of a life insurance exchange. But when you said that we have access, usually if you were going to do this, you're going to have access to probably 97, even maybe 98% of the cash value in the second policy. That's a really low cost. If you think of the cost of your money transferring over, if, if that was the only concern, you would want to say, let's make sure you get into the ideal policy. However, it's not always in your best interest. When, Bruce, would it really not be in someone's best interest to 1035 well, normally a it's Normally, it's when um, the person can qualify for a new policy, but at a rated situation. So at a, a situation where they're not considered standard anymore. So the cost of insurance is greater in those particular policies policies so that you're paying a lot more premiums for it um, for what the risk benefit is for the payout. Yes, you're still going to get a guaranteed payout, but then you have to say to yourself, well, does it make sense just to keep the 40000 um, in my bank account and then just add $250 every month to my bank account and that'll actually come out more than the death benefit or at least close to more than the death benefit for the risk involved here. So that's really the only time that I think um, that you really have to worry about that transfer. Beforehand, um, whole life insurance contracts, uh, we've had a couple of people who at the Money Advantage call the Money Advantage and say, I don't think my, this person, I asked for an, an infinite banking concept and they, uh, they didn't build it the way you guys are talking about because... I only have, I, I put $100,000 in and I only have access to $25,000 my first year. I want to, and then they heard about 1035 exchange. And they say, I want to, I want a 1035 exchange into the proper uh, design. And we're like, uh, no, even though we would get this nice, you know, client, so on and so forth, we tell them it makes no sense because you don't get to 1035 the entire 100,000 the first year. You only get the ten thirty-five, the twenty-five thousand. So it makes no sense to do it in that case. Now, maybe down the road it will. Maybe at the break-even point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe um, depends on the product and so on and so forth. But usually, it doesn't even make any sense at that time because all the capitalization costs are gone. You'd have to start over, brand new capitalization costs again. Um, so really, Rachel, the only time it 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 doesn't make sense is when a person's can't either can't get uh, life insurance or they can get it, but, but they're rated. Um, they don't get a standard rating. They get something, a substandard rating, what we call it rated in the industry. 
Right. Or if you're brand new into a policy and the amount you've put in is way up here and the amount of cash value you have access to is far, far less because then you're giving up all of those dollars in between the difference between the premium you've paid and the cash value you have access to. And that money is no longer going to be able to work for you. So I think knowing this full spectrum of information is really important. And, and you could say, well, what is the 1035? It's a piece of the IRS, the internal revenue service code specifically that deals with transferring life insurance into another life insurance product. It's very similar to a 1031 exchange that you can use for the tax advantages of moving money from one real estate property to another. And really what it does is it allows you, as Bruce said earlier, to not pay capital gains tax on the cash value if it's more than the premiums you've put in when you take that money out of the first policy. So it solves the tax problem and then allows you to be able to make this move into something that's much more guaranteed and certain for you. So I let's talk ahead. a little bit about just a little quickly about procedure. So let's say it makes sense and you want to try to uh, apply for a new policy. You actually have to put on the application any insurance that you owe own, and you actually have to put on the on the application. I intend to ten thirty five this amount of money from a from this particular company. The regulators require that a, a, um, a letter goes out and says that this company is attending to 1035 from this other company. That company then contacts the current policyholder and says, we found out that you're intending to do this. And they, attend, they, they uh, try to tell all the pitfalls again, just like we're doing on this podcast. You got to consider this. You got to consider this, you know, so not to do it because my whole point of this is that um, the regulations are there to protect the, the insured. So there are regulations in the industry that protect the insured from just 1035 and not knowing what they're doing, which I think is, which I think is a good thing. Absolutely. And I think, again, everything that you do specifically with your financial life needs, you need to have as much information as possible so you can make the best decisions. And one thing that I want you to hear and know from this episode today is that if you in the past made decisions based on the best information you had available to you at the time, which didn't happen to be the same best information you have available to you now, there is hope, there is options, there are options, there are solutions and we can be able to help you walk through those. We can be able to help you say, this is the right move to move this to a new life insurance policy, or it's not. This is definitely going to be on a case-by-case basis. And it's not just in the context of life insurance itself. It's in the context of your entire financial picture, where you're looking at where your money is sitting, where it's flowing, where it's coming into and out of your control. And is it solving a way back to the beginning the very first point you made, Bruce, what is the purpose of your money? And is the way that you've structured your whole entire financial picture, is it serving the purpose of that money? And is it doing it in the best way possible? So I want to share two important things with you. One, if you have questions, we would love, love, love to hear from you. And we've made it even easier for you to be able to ask questions. If you go to themoneyadvantage.com, at the very top, there is a button. I want to tell you the exact right name of this button. 
it says ask us anything you can click on that ask us anything button and you can record up to 90 second voicemail of anything that is on your mind regarding financial services, life insurance, any financial questions. And we would love to bring them up on the show as soon as we have enough questions. We're building a bank of questions right now. And we're going to be really excited to ask, to answer your questions live on the show. So we're going to be doing that. And then I also want to let you know that you can email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com if you would prefer to type out a question. But we want to answer your questions, the things that are most pressing on your mind. Lastly, I want to make sure that you know that you can book a call with our team at themoneyadvantage.com. Let me back up themoneyadvantage.com slash calendar that puts you on our advisor calendar. And what that does is allows us the opportunity to talk with you about your financial picture and any of your objectives and really be able to start a conversation, find out are we the best fit in helping you reach your financial goals based on what you want to do, the purpose of your money. We'd love to be able to help you. We'd love to walk you through that process. And again, you can book that call with us on our calendar. So in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business that you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.